Welcome to the Scale Up Your Business podcast. In this podcast, we talk about what it takes to go from startup to scale up and beyond. How to significantly grow your business, create freedom, build wealth, and live life on your terms. Featuring some very special guests and experts to give you advice and direction on your journey. And now, introducing your host, entrepreneur, investor, and scale-up specialist, Nick Bradley. Hi, everyone. It's Nick here, and welcome to this week's episode of Scale Up Your Business. So I have a surprise for you today. It is not just one guest. It is two guests. I've got two people on the show because we have the co-host of one of my favorite podcasts on, and that podcast is called Across the Pond Marketing Transformed. And as you can probably guess, it is a podcast about marketing, one of my favorite topics. Now, what they do on the podcast is they talk about you know, how you can optimize your marketing strategy, inspire success, but they also talk about one of the other topics I love to talk about, which is a growth mindset and how important that is in business. So the two people I have on the show today are Chris Lawson and Samuel Money. as I said, the, the co-hosts of Across the Pond Marketing Transformed. Now, before we get into having them on the show, let me just uh, tell you a bit of a story. So Chris Lawson, I have known for over God, it must be must be 20 years. Now, he has been a top-level CMO. We used to work together at Bauer um, in the media game, which feels like a lifetime ago. He also launched Absolute Radio. He's worked at The Garden and Virgin, and he now owns a marketing consultancy called Moreno Marketing, where he provides really focused marketing audits and action plans for startups and scale-ups. Now, another thing about Chris is that in his spare time, he's also launched a second podcast. And I can tell you, you know, being the the host of one is quite often enough. He actually launched a podcast called IVF Dad, which is about men who don't really like talking about fertility. So we are going to touch on that today because I think that's also a very important topic. Now, my second guest, as I said, the other co-host of Across the Pond is Samuel Moni. Now, Samuel is based in the U.S., And he is an absolute expert in communication through storytelling. So he focuses on transformation in business, marketing, all those sort of things, organizations, small, medium or large, and really the importance now more than ever of narrative in marketing. So one of the big themes of today's episode is that it is storytelling, getting your message right, making sure that you are being intentional and making sure that you are having or giving clarity to people when you are out there trying to grow and scale your business. So it's a great conversation, lots of fun, a bit of teasing. You know, you've got an Australian, a Brit, actually two Brits, but one's in the US. So it's a very eclectic mix of geographies and cultures. So I certainly hope you enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. It's Nick Bradley. Welcome to Scale Up Your Business for another week. We have an extra special episode today because I don't have just one person. I've got two Two people to interview from one of my favorite podcasts. Like I'm a bit of a marketing geek from way back. And there is, if you haven't heard of it, there is an amazing marketing podcast. It's called Across the Pond Marketing Transforms. And I have two of the hosts with me today, Chris Lawson and Samuel Moni. Welcome to Scale Up Your Business. Hey, Nick. How are you? Thanks for having us. You're definitely going to be the MC intro. We're going to clip that and we're just going to play it before exactly. each episode. I, I, sort, I sort of right. imagined we were like entering a boxing ring then. And, you know, uh, of course. Of course. You know what? It's funny. As we're, um, as we're recording this, like we're doing this through Zoom and I'm sort of sandwiched between you two. It's quite interesting, actually. I'm like looking at things. This is like, it does feel like I'm in the middle of this kind of prize fight. Well, right. listen, you know, if you, yeah, you, you got, you got to negotiate and manage the two of us because we're going to be meek, mild and timid and not have very much to say. Yeah. Well, listen, I've been on your podcast and I know that's okay. not true. Uh, <laughs> and I've listened it. to a number of your episodes and I know that's not true. And I've known Chris for, I don't know, 20 years. And I know 20 that's years now. I know, man. It's scary in itself. So what have you guys been up to? I mean, we'll get into, we're going to talk about all sorts of cool stuff today, but what have you guys been up to in the last, you know, couple of months since we last spoke? Sam, do you want to kick off? Well, yeah, I think we've, we've been busy. It's interesting that the world is changing around us. Um, the world of marketing, the world of life, the world of, um, you know, the universe outside of the, so the office environment is also 
quite dynamic. So we've been we're busy away. We're crafting season five of our of our across the pond. So that's really coming together nicely. First four seasons was just the two of us really going providing insight and perspective and lessons learned, successes and failures. And now as we move into season five, we're bringing on experts, including yours truly. Oh, me? Um, yes, you. Oh, oh God. A guy called Nick Bradley's on the show. And so we brought in a few exclusive guests just to cover some, you know, some key themes. And then we're, we're going deeper uh, as well on that. So it's kind of a slight pivot from our um, first four seasons, but we're really excited about it and um, it'll be coming out soon. So yeah, oh, that's congratulations. Congratulations for getting to like, you know, five seasons as well. The thing about podcasting, and I think we touched on this when we spoke last time is, you know, people kind of get into it, right? Thinking this is going to be fun. Let's, you know, I'm going to get out there and do all this stuff. But then they realize there's a fair bit of work that goes into it, right? You've got to be, you've got to have the grit and the consistency to kind of continue. So that's great to hear, fellas. Yeah. I think the the other interesting thing, so we we did, uh, we did four seasons back to back um, without even a day off over Christmas and New Year. And, um, and, and it was, it was great. It was a great experience because it just kept us learning every single week. Um, we wanted to take a slightly different approach for this season. Uh, like, uh, Sam said, bring on some experts, try and get some diverse voices into the, into the podcast because storytelling is something that we're incredibly passionate about. We know you are as well. Yep. Uh, and how we try to do it is that for every episode where we've got an interview, then Sam and I have sort of picked on a couple of key themes within that and then start to dissect it and delve into that in a bit more detail. So it's a, it's a real change in format for us, but we're, we're well, looking good forward though. to it's getting good to it out there. It's good to mix it up though. And I, and I think, yeah, we'll touch on storytelling today. I think it's a good thing to get into, particularly as we talk about marketing trends, tactics, strategies, and those sort of things. But before we get into that, Chris, you, you've had a bit of another project that, that um, I know you've been yeah, working on. Yeah, well- uh, you want to tell us about that quickly? Yeah, absolutely. So um, my daughter Rosie was born January 2020, and uh, and it sort of coincided. So first couple of months, I was back to work, and I was thinking, "Oh my God, uh, what's going on?" Then obviously we were all locked down, um, and I spent an awful lot of time with her over the last year, which has been absolutely amazing. Um, but Rosie was a result of six years of IVF and 18 embryos later, she was born. And it was an absolute roller coaster ride, uh, a really stressful experience for anyone that knows, uh, has been through it. And uh, the thing that struck me, I always remember being sat in a waiting room at the hospital waiting for an appointment. Trish went off to an appointment. And I looked around the meeting um, waiting room and there was like 10 or 11 women there waiting for their appointments. Another guy and both of us were sat on our phones individually. And and it was a, a stressful time. We were wondering whether we were even going to be able to have kids at that point. And, uh, and I vowed that if I was successful, I was going to do something about it and try and try and create a conversation for men going through fertility. So I've set up IVF Dad. Uh, I've recorded the first series of that. That's 13 episodes. We go through the whole of the journey. Um, and uh, do you know what? I'm humbled by the response that I've had back. It was on the front page of Apple. Um, it's been picked up in the Independent, uh, the I, and Metro. And But really, the personal stories has been just really humbling. So a, a great, a great diversion through lockdown, and, and something I'm, I'm very yeah. Proud congratulations of. on that as well, because my two daughters were born um, through IVF as well, as you know, yeah. and I've kind of forgotten now they're six and nine. But you know, as you were just so, talk, mentioning about the, the waiting room, yeah, it was just a weird experience. Like, and you went through it. You know, you had a, a much more kind of longer term situation than I did. We were very fortunate with what we went through, but it, but either way, right? It, it mm-hmm. was crazy. And I'd sort of take it for granted sometimes, but you just took me back there for a second. So yeah, well, congratulations. I'm glad that that's Thank worked you. well. And I'm not surprised that it's been well received because it's definitely a topic, like lots of topics similar to that, that men tend to not get into very much or feel that they can express. Yeah. Men don't like talking about fertility much, but again, you know, it was interesting taking it from a marketing director thinking about it. You know, you need to identify your niche, you need your content strategy. You need to think about the right medium to, to communicate with them. And that's definitely not a book. It's something quite private. So podcast works well. Um, and you need to keep it pretty short as well. No, indeed. Well, fantastic. Well, let's have a let's have a chat about storytelling. Let's get into that. I think because it's funny, right? I, I if I think about my journey of this podcast for the last couple of years now, it, it really is a journey of storytelling. And and what's funny about it is, 
the refinement and the clarity of having to think about the different things I've experienced to then have to express them through a medium like this, um, I think has made me more adept at it actually <laughs> as well. Um, but uh, let's kick this off. So, so what are your thoughts around storytelling, both from your personal experiences, what you're working on now, obviously the theme of uh, the upcoming season, uh, and also its role, I think, in marketing more broadly, um, uh, you know, as we, as we enter 21 outside, you know, coming through the pandemic and those sort of things. Well, yeah, you know, for me, when I think about storytelling, it's what um, I, I sort of reflect back over the past few years and how was, was I any good at the beginning <laughs> and, and and sort of where I am now and, and how you kind of evolve over time. And I think Chris, Chris just set the scene wonderfully with IVF Dad. And so he, he kind of painted the picture of what, what was going on and really reflected on the situation and sort of brought it to life, I think, um, in, in a way that, because I, I, I can't relate to that you know, in the IVF process, but he was taking me into that room, <laughs> the room with the two, two people on their phone. So we, you can already start to paint the picture of what's going on, what it feels like, and, that, um, and the feelings that are going on there. And so when I think about stories, it's exactly that. Is there something that's kind of classic beginning, middle and end, but also something that really is very human and you, you can really relate to re relate to the, the characters or the folks involved. And there's there's emotion, right? There's emotion involved and, and transferred. And, you know, I'm talking about thinking about, if you think about movies, oh, sorry, this is my American words being picked up here, films, depending <laughs> on the audience. Sorry, I can't help it. So I've been in the US all right. about, it's, what, it's all good. <laughs> 11 years now. So I keep using, oh no, that's the American one. Um, so if you think about it, if you think about where the, you know, the narrative, right? So there's a beginning, there's, there's some struggles that happen. Um, there's a tipping point when something changes and then sort of this new beginning, what, what happens in the future. And those are like four buckets of the story. Um, most people, if you say to me, hey, where, where's most of the, where's most of the film or where's most of the book? And 80% is in the struggle, 90% in the struggle where what's the problem, things going wrong, um, you know, you, you know, disasters happen, challenges happen. You get the you get the golden sword, and it, you lose it again. And someone and then your kid gets kidnapped. So the what struggles. Game, what game was that with the golden sword? Is that a game? Well, well, no. Hey, maybe I should trademark that. I was, that. Thinking, so kind of, well, I was thinking it's probably one of the things like Minecraft that my kids are obsessed with. Anyway, well, no, no, no. I just threw that in exactly. So you look at that. It says golden sword, and then suddenly you can see it, and you're like, where is it? Where's the scene? So I think storytelling is is natural to humans, and and the struggles um, are very are very vivid in movies. And what I do a lot in the work that I do at CI Squared is hey, this is not just for books and for films. This is for everyday life. This is, this is for the world of marketing. This is the world of sales. And this is for the world of business. And as people start to realize that, they suddenly see, oh, that's that's right. These The leaders they they kind of um, connect with or the, the customers or the clients or the you know the peers that they connect with, ultimately kind of really good storytellers or compelling storytellers. So that's kind of my overview of how I think about it. Hey, good. I like it. I want to talk about some frameworks as well as we go through this. I've got a number of ones that I use at different times, which would be interesting to see if they correlate with with kind of how you think about it from a structural standpoint. Not not to not to remove the emotion straight away. But that's you know, I'm a scale up guy. I talk about that all the time. Chris, what do you think? What's uh, what's your thinking around storytelling? Um, again, uh, I mean, you told a great one, right? And it's a personal one, but certainly in the importance of of that within marketing as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's at the heart, at the heart of good marketing is good storytelling. Um, and I think that equally applies whether you're looking at the, the more analytical sort of performance-based marketing or, or sort of developing sort of a proposition. Um, yeah, that, that's really also why we try to set up um, the, the podcast where it was very much about sort of trying to talk to people as normal people. So whether you were a a rising star or an experienced professional or an entrepreneur, we wanted to sort of tell a story around marketing because actually marketing isn't rocket science. It is, it is, it's as straightforward. You need to connect from a human perspective. You need to follow some sort of processes and frameworks and you need to be able to deliver on it. But the way you get people to connect is by telling a good story. So one of the podcast is, has always been around trying to tell a good story and we try and bring that in in our, in our day jobs as well. Uh, a lot of the briefs that I'm working at, even if they may well start with, right, we want you to come in and reevaluate our acquisition strategy or we feel that our, um, our conversion rate optimization isn't up to it. 
I always start with what's the proposition, what's the purpose, and what's the story behind the brand? Because quite a lot of the time is that if you can get that human aspect out, then the rest almost takes care of itself with a few processes around the outside. So yeah, I really feel that it's at the heart of marketing. Well, as you said, it's not rocket science. And the reason that the three of us, as I said, as, as marketing hacks can make a career out of it proves the point, right? <laughs> <laughs> let me, let me um, there's a couple of things that I, I, I use it all the time in different ways. And I've had some mm. um, interesting training recently on structure. Um, the one, there's, there's three things that I really like or three structures that I like, and they're very um, similar, but they have different usages. So there's a really good book called Story Brand or Build My Story Brand by Donald Miller. Have you guys read that? Um, it's, I mean, yeah, I'm somewhat yeah, familiar with it, but yeah, I've, yeah I know. Yeah, talks he's about like, the hero's journey. Yeah. And uh, very, very succinctly, just again for everyone listening, it talks about, you know, the hero turns up, the hero has a problem, the hero meets a guide, the guide has a plan, the hero follows the plan, and depending on how well they follow the plan, they either end up in this amazing world of, you know, awesomeness, or they end up in the pit of despair. And the concept of that journey or that flow is Rocky, it's Star Wars, it's the Hunger Games, it's probably any any movie that's then gone on and made multiple, what do you call it? Sequels mm -hmm. <laughs> has followed that, that framework. Mm -hmm. So I've used that quite a lot when I've advised companies as well, because if they're, if they're too analytical or too structured, mm -hmm. they're not necessarily getting the understanding of actually the one, the person who really matters here is the customer, the client right. you know, the hero, and you're not the hero, right? We're not the hero. Right. Right. And then I think that's, that's the, wait, did, what did you just say? Um, for my, a lot of marketers, this is the challenge is because today introducing the new and improved 20% faster, 50% better. We are the hero to rescue you from your life that sucks because you're doing it wrong, consumer. And it's like, no, 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 no. The brand is not the hero. You, the customer, the consumer, the shop, they are the hero and you're helping them. And that that's a, a pivot for a lot of brands, a lot of organizations come, they don't, they don't, that's not the story. So it's very hard. So a lot of what I do, um, and I, I'd say this humbly to all my marketing friends, ask sales, um, how, what percentage of your stuff that do they use? And then it's, I think the data is around 75, 80% of what marketers provide to sales goes in, goes in the bin or goes in the garbage. Cause they don't use most of it. And it's like, most what well, how much what did you say? Did you just say 80%? Yeah, they, I can't use this because it's all about how awesome I am and we are. The customer, the customer doesn't care. And often if you're a brand, your customers, if they're retailers in CPG, they're significantly bigger than you. So they are, they're, they're literally their brand is bigger than yours, but somehow you're going to save them from, from chaos and crisis. And so um the point you made there about who's the hero and the focus, that is kind of uncomfortable for a lot of marketers, but that's where the opportunity lies. Can you tell your brand story from the customer? perspective where they're the hero and a lot of brands can't they literally doesn't exist so that's where i do a lot of where I help a lot of people what do your customers say how do they see you and how are they how do you help them how do you sort of um be the guide or the the conduit or yeah. a catalyst to support them and i'm you know I'm on, I'm on my soapbox here but i think that for, for marketers especially who I work a lot with there's a huge unlock when they see it and then break some of the practices that they've always learned and then turn that into opportunities that really resonate um, outside them. So that's where the kind of, it's awesome when you do, when you work I think, on those um, Certainly from Chris and, and my perspective, I think we were quite lucky, Chris, because, you know, I think back to the magazine days and, and, you know, I always used to love that story around, you know, if you're, if you're a can of Coke, right, it's a can of Coke, right? It doesn't change much. You might put a different, you know, thing on the can for Christmas, but generally speaking, it's red, right? <laughs> but a magazine every week, month, whatever the frequency was, it was kind of a different product. So the brand had to be very, very strong because, you know, the cover lines would change, the features would change. And I remember back then, I'm interested in your perspectives of this, how, you know, we, I remember we focused a lot on the hero being the reader because we had to be really focused on that. Otherwise we could lose track. It wasn't always an easy conversation with the editorial teams. <laughs> well, that, that's the point I was going to pick up on because I remember that um, the editors were almost seen as the heroes in a way, um, especially some of the specialist publications like uh, you know, Most Cycle News or Today's yeah. Golfer or, or whatever, or even Empire or, or the music magazines. And they, they were seen as the, the, the demigods in the way, um, you know, the experts for knowledge, until they realised that there was a community out there interacting with them, with a lot of people that actually knew more than they did. And, and it really changed the dynamics of media and, and seeing almost the, the 
the dynamics of these editors having to take a step back and say, I'm part of a community rather than being on a pedestal. Um, yeah, and, and you were involved and, a lot of that. I mean, because you were involved particularly in that digital transformation side. Yeah, you know, I was yeah, I was kind of stuck, I was stuck in the print bit <laughs> for like for a long time. I don't know I don't know what I did to get that that honor, but uh, you you were in the really sexy digital piece. But you started to see these communities forming, and there was definitely a power change. Whether power is the right word, there was definitely a transition, wasn't there, towards the community and and you know when we started to get um, user generated content. Yeah, without a doubt, and and it was it was fascinating to see. Um, and and I must admit, after um, after we did that on about four or five brands, uh, suddenly the penny dropped with myself and and a number of different people that this was a this was a transformational shift in marketing. This was a transformational shift where the customer did start to have a proper voice, mm. and and I think it, you know, it's now now flipped to exactly that point where. We see the the customer's hero. We talk about super fans, uh, you know, and and the important power of um, your most powerful fans being your marketing department. I always talk about that. Actually, you want your audience to be your marketing department. It's not about the marketing mm. team um, internally. So, so yeah, we we've seen that um, certainly change over the last sort of fifteen years and and carry on. I think for me, it's it's interesting to sort of say, well, where does that end up? Um, you know, what, what's next and, and how, how do we see, see that transform again? And what do you, what do you think to that? I mean, let's, let's, let's go there and have a chat. Cause I think there's a few other sort of points I'll bring into this, but first we have said the importance of this is, is like the importance of storytelling has always been there, but actually it's really critical now for cut through for interest. Seth Godin talks about, you know, in his book, purple cow, you've got to be out, you've got to stand out and be remarkable because there's a lot of noise out there now. So telling a great story that connects and engages is just a critical part of, you know, I think being successful from a marketing standpoint. But wh where does it start to move into now? We're starting to see digital increase. We're starting to see lots of content out there. Content marketing is like everywhere now. Yeah, Everyone seems to be doing podcasts and videos. <laughs> No, no, but the, 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 we, we have the best podcasts and videos amongst oh, us. I, I agree. I, I, I realize, I realize oh, that. I realize oh, no, no. So, I just, true. In, in, I just did it wrong. In our I just, category, Sam. I, no, in our I, just did it, I just did it wrong. I just talked about how awesome we were. No, the, our audiences are so are so discerning that they they, they can spot great podcasts and, and ours come to the top. Okay. That's yeah, right. Yeah, you, you've that's got the, you've one. got it right there. The second part was better than the first part. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. But where's this, where's this going? I often reflect on this. I'm interested, you know, you guys have studied this for a lot longer than I have, what, what does this start to become? Like, we know the importance of it. We know the importance of connection, but where do you think it's going to start to move into? Yeah, I, th I think the, you know, one of the things that strikes me is like podcasting has been around for a long time, mm -hmm. a long, long time. And then suddenly now it's almost found it, found its home. You know, you've seen some huge numbers out there, uh, a real um, sort of almost going mainstream with marketeers looking at it as forming part of them, their strategy. Like you say, content marketing, it's not just consumer orientated, B2B is very, very much focused on it. So, so it almost feels that that's saturated and it moves on again. I think peer-to-peer -peer is really interesting. You still start to still see um, you know, micro communities forming about different channels or different sort of devices. And, and I think that's really interesting to look at where actually, you know, we're almost stuck in the middle at the moment as marketeers. And, and I think it's, it's almost more interesting to look at when we're taking out that equation, what happens with those communities. What, what do you think, Sam? Yeah, I was, I was, gonna, I was trying to reel it in because you, you talked about peer-to-peer, -peer, we talked about storytelling, um, we talked about transformation. And a, a lot of the work I do with, with, with my storytelling and, and um, communication is it, it manifests in training. So we're helping people trying to change behaviors to improve business results, to connect better with their customers or to shoppers or to you know, drive growth. And a lot of that learning um, happens in a peer-to-peer -peer environment. And what I've we've learned over the last 12 months is that that the peer-to-peer -peer thing is huge you talked about communities and community building and audiences sort of connecting and learning from each other but human beings learning from other human beings is a huge powerful thing so in, in how we deliver training and and is really a lot of it happens in peer-to-peer -peer forums which is basically social and emotional learning which then kind of comes back to storytelling so it's the idea of humans connecting with other humans learning communicating and the big unlock which again brings it back to storytelling is being able to listen 
<laughs> listening to other people and really uh, so you know a lot of people have a lot of knowledge but they're cut off so you imagine again in the office in the corporate world the most senior person speaks first and is the expert but actually it's, it's the junior person amanda who's 24 who's, who's the search expert for three months and knows that this product it was not going to work. You've called it the wrong thing. That's, that's, that's not what anyone searches. And so how do you use communication? So I'm bringing it back to the peer-to-peer part, the kind of listening as, as well as talking and telling is such a huge skill. And so community, peer-to-peer sharing and learning, and that social and emotional learning is such a powerful construct. There's more and more academic papers about it. As it's really how we as people connect and learn uh, on a personal level, but then ma- multiply that in terms of, um, you know, in a business or a, a corporate environment, there's a huge opportunity there. So that, that sharing that social aspect is, is really powerful. Um, not, not to sidebar this conversation, but I'm really passionate about that because especially in this COVID environment where people are doing a lot of remote work people no one wants to do another zoom it's like zoom fatigue but it's because zoom is used for torture we're using the technology in a communicate in the wrong way to torture people with spreadsheets but how, do, how about just having conversations and connecting with people on a human level that's possible and feasible um, and peer-to-peer learning sharing collaboration is a huge opportunity and i think audio and podcasts is a is a key part of that you know if it's quite intimate and connecting and um powerful that's why it's growing so much so let, let me throw something in that's a bit interesting. I think this is, this is a trend that I've been sort of looking at for the last few months. <clears throat> and it kind of comes into, if we talk about storytelling as the ability to, to obviously communicate effectively, to engage, to inspire, and then you've got the growth of just content going out there. And, and I'd like to get your perspectives on the difference between content versus storytelling, right? And, and the other thing I'd like to kind of go into is what's happening now in the world of um, content monetization. So I, I joined BitClout for, for people may not know what that is who are listening, but it's this sort of peer-to-peer monetization where content creators, your, your coin, you know, your currency in this kind of new world that we're kind of walking into can be acquired by other people and you have a market cap. Now, I went on to BitClout and someone spent 8,000 on my coin straight away. So I'm now worth $11,000. I'm kidding you. And one of my that, business is that Australian or is that US? I have no idea. I have no idea. It's bizarre. I can't even afford my own coin now. It's like 400 <laughs> bucks, right? But then a partner of mine who I've known for some time, in fact, I'm launching a podcast, a separate podcast with him. He, he put a million dollars into BitClout, into various um, creators, some of them famous, some of them not, in the last three weeks. And so the reason I bring that up, it's a slight, slight segue, but I, did, I think it does come into this, right? To some extent, you've got people, people are now getting rewarded monetarily by their ability to put out valuable content, okay? The ability to engage, to inspire through content. And I'm just curious about, you know, because we're talking about the trends of the future, right? That's a very big shift in a different way. What do you think, that, how do you think that's going to evolve? Just, just taking that and maybe rolling with it for a bit. Wow. I know it's out there, isn't it? I, I, I've only just got into it, but it's like it's happening. Like small, a small question. Well, you know, I'm, I'm reflecting on this. One of the 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 um, music, there's a band called Jungle. They're UK R&B um, poppy solely band, and they just launched. I think they've joined a, a, a label, record label, which is much more artist friendly because of the structure of of they have content they produce. They're musicians, and how that value is is more um, equitable and how much they have more ownership and more distribution rights and more creativity and and flexibility and freedom. So what I'm seeing is what you're you're describing is there's multiple different ways of content and the creator, the, the, you know, the artist getting, getting revenue and value from what they create. And a lot of the technology like podcasts is really um, um, made that, um, you know, equitable where you can get to the audience without having to go through media producers and all the traditional structures. And so what's happening now is that I'm, there are more ways for you to get um, rewarded or compensated for your work. And it's, it's, um, it's, it's, constantly evolving. So when you think about, we talked a bit about transformation, that for me, I'm, I'm, I'm learning from you. So I had not heard of that till, till, till today, oh, right? Okay, but, yeah. but, but, the, but these models of, hey, I've got advice and um, you know creativity or knowledge. And if I've just been on a clubhouse, um, you've just 
you know, helped me um, with 20 grand's worth of advice for 30 minutes worth. How is there a way I can sort of compensate you? Or They launched um, monetization uh, on Sunday nights. And yeah, um, and, they've just, and they've just launched that. Exactly. So, so there's now a, a realization that, hey, <laughs> you know, like, like just like a speaker, you know, do, you can either do it for free, you can do it for 50 grand. So how do you transfer value in a fair and equitable way? And what I like about the technology and the platforms and then the communities is that they're seeing, hey, this is an opportunity for us to actually be compensated and compensate others in an in a equitable way without having to go through the usual gatekeepers and, and the usual structures. So the market is definitely flowing and becoming freer. But yeah. the challenge, I think, for us as marketers or as um, business people is what's the next thing? What's the shiny, shiny thing, right? And how do you track it all? Because a few years ago, you know, social media was a new thing, but now with these it's constantly evolving. So how to keep up is really, really hard and you can't follow everything. So I don't know, maybe Chris, you've got some, some perspective. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I like the fact in one way, there's almost a democratization there, isn't there? Yes, you know, exactly. there there's a fact that um, anyone can be a content producer um, or, or provide value via, the, via their own personal brand or attitudes or beliefs or, or um, ideas that they create. Um, and and receive some value back for it. So I like that idea. I think that's strong. Um, I do I do fear that there's a um, you know there's a there's a part of the economy which almost just starts feeding itself, where it's uh, you know uh, you've got to be so sort of careful that you're not just buying into something that um, that everyone else is sort of buying into. Slight emperors at new clothes and that. Um, which sort of pushes the value up. You know, we saw that with sort of some of the stocks in um, pushed up by Reddit, for instance, well, I actually and the like. Interviewed, I interviewed the founder of um, Wall Street. I forget the last part of it, but yeah, I interviewed him uh, two weeks ago. Yeah, uh, on Clubhouse, and Jordan Belfort, the wolf of Wall Street, joined the room halfway yeah. through. <laughs> amazing. Wow. They had an amazing fight. It's, uh, yeah, it was it was amazing. <laughs> but, but yeah, the, the, the point that was made was your exact point, Chris. Democratization off the back of an event, the event was actually the 2008 crash. That's when everything started. That's when mm -hmm. Bitcoin and crypto started to come in. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. But there's still no regulation of that stuff. Right. No, no exactly. So, so then it, it, can, it can also become a bit Lord of the Flies as well then, can't it, without, without anything else on it. Um, however, look, I think you've got to embrace it even when um, there might be a few edge cases because I, I think it will go quite niche as well. I mean, the interesting thing is what you're talking about, Nick, is – is uh, almost like marketeers and personal brands or people providing sort of business experience and advice. I could even see it working from a, a um, you know, sort of a, an IVF dad perspective as well. So yeah. almost niches like fertility advice or, you know, DIY or whatever. So you, you can start to see how it, it actually replaces the traditional role that media has because it's almost like rather yeah. than media providing a platform for all of these contributors to be in and being told, well, we're, we'll put you in our magazines or on our website, but you only get paid X or Y. It, it takes that out. But of course, there's, funny al there's always someone making money out of it. There's always something in the chain. Yeah. The thing, the thing for me is if we go back to brands for a second, right? And, and, and this, I want to bring this back to the storytelling, even though we're talking around the edges of this, because it's still within the same frame, is brands, and we've seen this happen for a while, where a brand will go to an influencer Mm -hmm. and pay the influencer to represent mm -hmm. the brand. That's now getting to be opened up a lot more through the platforms we just spoke about. So the ability to monetize your influence, your impact, your story mm -hmm. is there. How do you think it's going to change marketing? I'm going to go, I'm going to say traditional marketing, but I'm talking more about the brand, the bigger corporate marketing that all of us have been involved in. Is it changing the strategies for those larger businesses now in terms of their channels and what they have to think about? Or are you seeing from your world that a lot of them are still kind of being very traditional and not really understanding maybe the opportunities that are, that are being presented? Well, I mean, the, I, I'm in the marketing transformation space. The last 12 months has been, 18 months has been quite busy because a lot of automotive or publishers or financial institutions are realizing that they have to change. They have to change how they, how they go to market, how they think about media, how they connect with their, their consumers and shoppers and really understanding them. And so there's a, no, there's a known need to shift. The challenge is um, a lot of what we're talking about, you cannot treat it like traditional media. So you can't 
for me personally, when you outsource it to, hey, you go and buy this stuff, go and buy an influencer, that's when you find you, you, you get into missteps and you find that they actually don't really use your product or they don't really support your lifestyle or they don't, they're not a great fit because you're buying, you're buying a person without necessarily really understanding um, the, the, the landscape or the marketplace. And I'm, you know, I'm thinking of a multitude of influencers where things have gone south or gone wrong um, very quickly. So I'm, I'm pro-influencer. But I'm pro understanding your 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 marketing strategies and really doing it in a modern way um, and having a clear understanding of who your audience is and who the audience is that we need to connect with and how might we do that and and using some of this as a way to do that but not to outsource it to just um, a lot of traditional companies just make it part of their media buy, put dollars behind it and then walk away. And I think that's soulless and it's also not as effective as the challenger brands, which are much more savvy and scrappy and entrepreneurial and actually really create and really cultivate communities. We've said community a few times. And I think for me, that's the winning strategy. Where are the communities and how brave are we to actually connect with them on their terms and in their language and in their forums and in their, you know, their events. Um, there's a, a company I'm talking with, talking, um, working with, um, called Steel Series, and they're in the gaming community, and they're very much connected to esports and the gaming community in a really authentic way. And it's fabulous to see that their content is really, um, it's kind of co-created with their audiences and they're very. Um, connected way because it's not seen as big brand trying to tell us what to do. It's hey, someone helping us be successful at something we're passionate about. You're seeing, I mean, the big example of that, um, that probably the, the one that got the headlines is Gymshark here, where, you know, if you speak to Ben Francis, it sold for over a billion, I think it was dollars or pounds, I can't remember the exact thing. But he, he said the secret to that was the community. So he started off by, you know, investing in influencers or people who had uh, good Instagram followings, let's say they were in great shape. But then, you know, everything was created almost reversed out. So you had those yeah. people creating the products and then, you know, it, it's an interesting strategy, but a lot of people are now using that as a template or a case study of how you should think about marketing these days. You know, it, it's, it's, which, it, which I think is, I think is right, but you know, it's a, it's a big old environment out there, you know, I do quite a lot of work with B2B or B2B2C organizations as well as B2C. And, and, uh, you know, Quite frankly, there, there's some channels which we may well have been using sort of almost um, sort of two or three years ago from a B2C perspective, which we're now sort of just starting to, to bring up and think, actually, these have got equal application from a B2B perspective. So content marketing is, is a key one out there. So, so I think it, it comes back to that point where we, we sort of talked about right at the start, which is before you start needing to sort of bring on sort of additional new channels, it's making sure you've got the, the right proposition, the right story in, in the existing ones, making sure you're using them as effectively as you can. Um, I mean, interestingly, last year, uh, um, a lot of what I do is about providing a marketing audit and an evaluation of sort of marketing and sales strategy for sort of turnaround or, or growth companies. And, and when you look at it, Nine times out of 10, it's not a case of, right, well, actually, you need to forget what you're doing and you need to be on TikTok, for instance, or you need to forget what you're doing and you be on Clubhouse. What you need to do is take some of the lessons and the learnings from those new media channels and apply them to the ones that you're doing. So back to Sam's point, it's about not just broadcast, it's about listening. And it is about telling a story and, and understanding that your story is going to evolve over time and, and using existing channels to do that. So, so I think what I found is that um, actually there's almost a consolidation phase that we're going through at the moment. It's almost using good tried and tested techniques over the last sort of 10 years around social media marketing, around content marketing, however you want to term it and now applying it to sort of traditional marketing strategies. And that maybe feels a bit more comfortable to the 70, 80% companies out there. Of course, there's the edge cases, the gym sharks and the likes, which have completely transformed it on its head. But I, I think the majority still got quite a lot they can do with traditional channels too. Yeah, no, it's, it's, a, it's a very, very valid point. And there's a, it's funny, you just reminded me, I, I had Jay Abraham on my podcast a while back and he wrote a book. I listened to that. That was great. Yeah, he's a very interesting character. Um, I, the, the problem with talking to him, right, 
is he's got so much depth. His whole thing is the is the layers beneath what anything we're talking about. He goes like five to ten layers even deeper. And he wrote a book. Um, it was about thirty years ago, I think. And I've got it here. It's um, getting everything you can um, out of all that you've got. And he talks about this is back in the sort of eighties. He talks about the influencer and what we now call content marketing back mm. in that book. It's fascinating. Like you go back and you mm. read the chapter and you go, this is like what's been happening for the last decade. And when I, when I was speaking to him, the reason I bring this up is he sort of said, listen, the basic of great marketing, the foundations, the fundamentals of great marketing haven't changed at all, right? And he, he lists a lot of them. He said the way that you express them, the way that you innovate around them, right? Just because you've got different tools, opportunities, resources. He said, that's where the cleverness is, but the foundations are the same. And, yeah. and I challenged him a bit on it because I was thinking, is that right? But then actually when I did a bit of research, this was after the conversation, I went into it. I thought, God, he's, he's right. Mm. He's right. You know, and, 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 and there might be at a, at a bit of a superficial level in terms of what those characteristics are, those foundations, but they are still the same things. You know, you've still got to, you've still got to connect, right? You still need to solve a problem. Uh, you, you still need to stand out in a remarkable way. There's all, all those sort of things and there's a lot more than that but the way that we then choose to do it now may evolve, but yeah. the, the principle is the same. Well, yeah, yeah. Well said. yeah. Well, I just, I'm just reflecting on that. I've seen so many articles of late of post COVID companies are reevaluating their KPIs and streamlining them back down to five or six things so that what they measure is we used to have 200 things. No, none of those do us any favors. So now let's streamline it to six. <laughs> right. And it's a forcing function. So, so that's a forcing function of, you know, who's, what's our ultimate goal? What's the behavior change that's going to drive that? What are the activities are going to drive that behavior change? And, and so that those are sort of three levels of how you think about say your, your metrics. And there's even a story behind that. You can wrap the story around, look, we're, we're looking to, to win with our existing consumers um, versus trying to get, get, um, get new customers from elsewhere. And we you know, we've got a, I don't know, a, one, a $10 million goal. And that means we're going to get, um, you know, each, each shopper that comes through our store, into our store to spend $1 more. And that's why we're creating recipes that inspire them when they walk in. I'm just, I've just made that story up. But now you can see how you can get from the 10 million to so everyone that walks in, there's an opportunity for them to spend a dollar. So I'm going to share a recipe idea with them. That's easier to digest from a human perspective, taking your big audacious business strategy playing it back in story form, but ultimately tying it back to your, your metrics in a very simple way. And that's not, that's not leading with a spreadsheet. That's not leading with a PowerPoint. That's what are we trying to achieve? Can I explain that? Can I, can I communicate that to other people? But does that actually drive my business goal? And great storytellers um, uh, do that well. So for me, it's funny. Most people in corporate environments, I, I would say, sorry, you know, 80, 90% of their <laughs> financial presentations suck but the 10 percent who have an awesome cfo or awesome finance lead who to kind of does their 15 minutes of the town hall and you're inspired you you that my friend is a great storyteller because that's a section everyone's oh no the finance section is coming and i say that pejoratively but also provocatively because the ones who do it well it's like oh this is the best part because they realize if this isn't a story no one's going to get on board and so you know we start talk, talking talk about storytelling but we see it everywhere and don't so don't just look for the creative marketing guys or the ad guys but and, and girls and you know people look for the people who really captivate you and and really um bring you along with their on their journey with their mission and their goal wherever they are supply chain r&d whoever they are those are the, the folks you want to start taking notes down from and picking up what they do and how they do it and as i say the, the finance people who who captivate me were, were always awesome awesome story i told you did i tell you my story about when i was um at insead and we had like the eight hour finance lecture i'm not sure if i brought that up i think there's a guy called Kevin Kaiser. He did an eight-hour finance lecture with four slides. The kid you know, and um, he finished with a um, an equation that was written on the whiteboard. He just like wrote the thing up, and effectively, the, he basically told an eight-hour story about Spanish bullion and trade wars and all this sort of stuff, like yeah. crazy, right? It was so well done. And then he wrote the equation for net present value. And to this day, I've, I've, I know net. I don't know anything else about finance. I know, I know net present value. Right. <laughs> but as long as it doesn't take you eight yeah, hours yeah, to write say, the equation. Yeah. Every so time. I'm not advocating eight-hour finance. I, I wasn't going to go into it. I'm not going to do an episode on it. But uh, well, let's 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 um, you know, for the last you know ten minutes or so of, of chatting away, let's let's kick this around a little bit. Um, 
I, back to storytelling. I, one of the things I like to do on Scale Up Your Business is, is have some practicality. Now, the, pe- the people who listen to this, you've got a range. You've got solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, you've got investors, you've got you know some larger businesses as well. How, how do you guys think people should either introduce, and I say introduce because you know some people are pretty poor at what we're talking about, uh, and or improve storytelling as part of their, their strategy? How should they do it or part of their, part of their plan? Should I take that one first, Sam? Go for it. Um, I, th- I think the important thing for me is it's got to be it's got to be based on truth, and it's got to be based on purpose and your core. So, so one of the things that I do a lot at the moment is uh, as I start the audit, I get right to but what is it your purpose? What is your what is it that makes you tick here? What's your DNA? What's your reason for being? And how does that, as a founder, as an entrepreneur, as a CMO, whatever it is, how does that then convey itself in the brand or the messaging that you want to convey? Um, because I think we we have to be authentic in what we do, and and we have to be open and transparent because otherwise it just does not resonate. Because then otherwise, as Sam said early on, you miss the human touch, you miss the empathy there. So so I think the first thing very much is about reconnecting with your purpose, your reason for doing this in the first place. And and purpose cannot be a, a tick box exercise. This can't be something like, right, well, do you know what? If I say that I'm going to give 1% of all of our profits to um, to a charity, then everyone's going to think that I've got a great purpose. It's not about that. It's it's something that is a, um, a, a greater desire. So I think you've got to reconnect, first of all, as a, as a first instance, and then what you've got to do is that you've got to kick it about. You've got to, you've got to create that story uh, effectively in long form and then work out which of the bits that people are resonating. I bet within that eight-hour lecture, that finance lecture, there was bits that you think like the gold bullion, for instance, that people really picked on. And, and then you've got to do the same for your audience as well. You've got to see which bits resonate and then double down on those areas. Um, and then like we talked about earlier on in the podcast, You've got to work out which is the most channel, most appropriate channel to communicate that message with, um, because actually channel can have an important part to to play here. I mean, it's great that we're able to to see each other as well as actually sort of talk on this podcast, but that that won't be the situation when the the listeners have it. So you've got to be wary of sort of facts like that. So, so that's a process that I go through first. Yeah, no, of all. very good. And, I, and you're right. You're right. The, the point you said before about the IVF dad as well. It could be written in a book, and perhaps it will be one day. But um, the emotion of the story, right, comes across be- much better in this sort of medium, right? I think. But yeah, that's a very good point. What do you think, Sam? I was just listening to Chris, and he he, he did a great job. And there's the the way, Thanks, you, Sam. Yeah, you know that's love like, you too. Well, there you go, free of charge. You know, uh, they've done, <laughs> I, we should we should have a podcast together. I think Chris. I'm in between. Like idea. here I go. I get to do the. Kind yeah, of exactly. Recreation. Yeah, this. Yeah, this is. Sorry, Nick. This is our show now. We've taken over. That's um, right. um, so he talked a lot about connecting. So the framework that you know we use, um, CI squared, and for me, I, it's been really powerful. Talk about connecting, as Chris said, and it's really you're in, really connecting, being able to tell a story, but also incorporating your why and and your purpose and your mission and and that's somewhat vulnerable so you're you're kind of revealing yourself and that's the connection piece and we talk about in, um understand and then inspire and the understand is really about really understanding the other person's perspective and really um engaging with them and really being able to kind of um, reflect in a compassionate way and and have empathy for other people and then you ultimately have earned the right to inspire them and influence them to paint a picture of the future. But I'll come back to this understand piece because that's something I'm constantly working on. And it's a lot about listening. It's very, it's very easy to come in and tell someone a story, but do you know them? How have you, have you really understood them? Their their struggles, their needs, their aspirations, their hopes, their challenges, their beliefs, and all of that. And if you haven't really done, done that step that then you kind of jumping to, you're jumping too far because you haven't really earned the the right to to tell them anything. And I'm always thinking when I go to conferences and events, it's a speaker on stage. I think, who are you? What are you talking about? And why should I care? And often they don't do that bit of really, um, really, 
understanding me or where I'm coming from. Um, and so that understanding piece from a very human perspective, I've done it down as listening to people. And there's this idea of being a curious detective. Uh, often when you're connecting or communicating with someone, you're like this defense attorney. Someone says something and then I've got, okay, they did this, anything about this is my argument. You've got 17 responses lined up before they even got out the first two words. Because we've got this brain of ours and we've never been given an instruction manual. And so we get, I think about every seven seconds, we get a signal to our brain, which is sort of triggering thoughts. And so if we can learn to calm that down, just be in the moment and listen to the other person. The, one of the techniques we, I say is, tell, when someone says something, tell me more. Shut up. Just give someone the opportunity to literally tell their story, share with you. And quieten that brain and be more of a curious detective and just like, just follow where they want to go. And it's amazing. I had a conversation with someone, um, 30 minute meeting, um, you know, she, she came in, something happened. She's, um, she's at a dental practice and customer um, irate wanted a refund and yada, yada, yada. A lot went on and how she gave half money and, need, and she told me all of this story and, you know, great conversation. I, I 28 minutes, I hadn't said a thing. I was just listening to what was going on. And so as I'm talking about it on a human level, now multiply that to be a brand. If you can really connect, as Chris talked about, understand, then you earn the right to, to tell your story, to get people to opt in. And it's a skill, it's an art and a science, and you can practice it. But that ability just to be a curious detective, I think folks listening to this show, that's something I'd encourage you. Just tell me more. Just, just start with that when someone says something and, and let that, let them reveal, and then that can then help you construct, I think, the appropriate story for them. Outstanding, gentlemen. So t- two ears and one mouth, Sam, is what you're saying. <laughs> as, my, you, as, as, my, as my grandfather used to say, you've got he, two, hours and, two ears and one mouth for a reason. You said it a lot, a lot more eloquently and succinctly than I did. <laughs> there you go. I was listening intently. <laughs> Listen, guys, so quick, um, a quick plug for your podcast. So just to kind of go through here. So Across the Ponds, Marketing Transform. We've talked a lot about different forms of that today, particularly around communication, storytelling, content, even some craziness of BitClout which you guys had to quickly Google, which was funny to watch. Um, <laughs> no, 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 I didn't Google. I just kept my eyes in focus. I'm going to do that afterwards. I just, just you know, oh, yeah, it's a bit cloud. I know how to well, that. The Samuel Money coin is now going to be up in about five minutes' time. But um, <laughs> just to kind of say, so you've got, as we said, you've done four seasons now. The first season was about the essentials of marketing transformation. Then you went into um, marketing deep dives. There's a lot of content there around questions being answered. Uh, the Modern Marketer in a post-COVID world, season three, and then season four was agile marketing, action plans, cornerstones, skills, mindsets, and behaviors. And as we said, you know, including me coming on, <laughs> season five is going to be interviews, inspirational stories, and all that great stuff. So listen, guys, I just want to say thanks very much for coming on the show. It's been a long time coming. Enjoyed the conversation immensely today. And uh, yeah, I look forward to future collaborations and all that sort of stuff. Likewise, Max. Thank you for all you do. Yeah, thanks a lot. It's been a pleasure and an awesome experience and um, great sharing the stage with two wonderful colleagues. Maybe we're going to do a three, three-person three podcast next. That's the, the next There was evening. no fighting. It was all very nice. <laughs> group, group hug. Group hug. Group hug. Thanks, guys. Thanks very take much. Thanks. Thanks. Take Cheers. it easy. Thanks. Take care. Bye. And there you have it, another episode of Scale Up Your Business. Thank you very much for listening. And if you haven't yet, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It really does help the show become even better. And while you're there, make sure you hit that subscribe button to help you on your scale up journey. Now, perhaps you're thinking of growing and scaling your business. Perhaps now is the time. If that's you, then please check out suyb.global. That's where we have all of our programs, including the Growth Accelerator Partnership, the Maximize Value Partnership, all of our services, and of course, coaching and mentoring. Once again, be grateful, be brave, have faith, and show up. Until next time.